Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. Luke, chapter 17. And this is a story that, obviously, if it's in the Gospels, it's a story about Jesus and his encounter with some people in a desperate strait. If I preached the text according to what is described in the story, I would preach something entirely different. But I have found within this story spiritual truths that allow me today, and I'll, I'll repeat myself here in just a minute, but to, to preach the gospel. And I have just, I love preaching the gospel. I love to teach the word. I love to preach the word. I love having revival services. I love when we get fired up. If we had chandeliers, we'd swing on them, wouldn't we? But we don't. But, but I love preaching the gospel because the gospel changes people's lives radically. Because how many of you know God can do for you but nobody else can do? So let's read this story together, then I'll let you sit down. Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 11. Now it happened as Jesus went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. By the way, my dad, I was talking to my dad yesterday. My dad was telling him what I was going to preach, and I'm just going to throw you out a nugget here. This is free. I won't charge you a dime for this. The other nine went to show themselves of the priest, but the one came back, and you know why? He was a Samaritan. He didn't have a priest. But he found one in Jesus. Oh, I'm preaching my sermon now. Hold on. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. Um, A man with a very warped sense of humor got on an elevator at his local hospital. I love this story. When he got on the elevator, it was full of medical personnel, and as soon as the doors closed and they couldn't get off, he looked around the room and he said, does anybody in here know anything about infectious diseases? The story is that as soon as the doors opened for whatever the next floor was, everybody on that elevator got off and left him all by himself. Our text contains the story of 10 men who had been stricken with an infectious disease called leprosy. Now, today... Leprosy can be cured with early diagnosis and treatment. However, in Jesus' day, there was no cure. I don't know how much you know about leprosy, but it is a horrible, horrible disease. Its symptoms, and imagine someone with these symptoms. Imagine a person in your mind. See if you can see this. The symptoms include red skin patches, reduced sensation of touch, numbness, weakness, 
pain in the joints and disfiguring skin sores. And a lot of times that's what you think of when you think of a leper. A leper could experience loss of vision, hand and face deformity, kidney failure, and permanent damage of the nerves outside the brain and the spinal cord. It was a horrible, it is a horrible disease. It gets worse because for a first century Jew, leprosy automatically made you ceremonially unclean. So that means you could not go to the temple to worship. You couldn't offer sacrifices for your sins. You were, you were isolated from God, if you will, in, in the sense of going to the house of God and the people of God. You were isolated socially as well. You weren't allowed to interact with people. As a matter of fact, if a leper drew near to another person at a distance, they were required to yell, unclean, unclean, to warn that person to stay back, lest they too would be infected. These ten men had this horrible disease of leprosy. I want to pause right here, and many Bible scholars feel the same way that I do. It only takes a little imagination to see that leprosy is a vivid representation of sin. They're very similar. Sin took God's perfect creation, man, because we know that everything God makes is good, and it totally destroyed him. It made him detestable. It made him spiritually deformed. It made him unclean. We all know this from experience when we were in sin for those of us who are saved. For those who are not saved here or listening online, then you know this experientially now. Sin grows and festers inside of you, and if you let it one day, it will ultimately kill you. Sin makes you numb to God and the things of God. You don't feel anything spiritually. Sin destroys lives. It destroys marriages. It destroys families. It destroys communities. It's destructive for a nation. Sin separates you from God. It corrupts your flesh. It leaves you in a state of hopelessness. And this little saying's been around a long time, but I just thought I'd throw it in here because it's worth repeating. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you there longer than you want to stay, and it'll cost you more than you're willing to pay. Jesus healed the ten lepers of their dreaded disease, leprosy. But if you will allow me this morning to let leprosy be an illustration of sin, and if we apply this image to this story, then I think we can clearly see the gospel. That's what I mentioned earlier. And when we see the gospel, we find hope for anyone that's listening or watching that's bound by sin. So let me just take you through this today. Won't won't be preaching long. I just want to preach the gospel today. The Bible says, first of all, that those ten lepers stood afar off. Now, I just explained to you why they had to do that, because the law required it. But can you imagine the torment? They saw Jesus. Somehow they had heard about him. They knew who he was. They they had heard stories that he had cleansed other lepers that he had healed all manner of sickness and disease. They heard stories that he opened blinded eyes and unstopped deaf ears. They knew who he was. They saw him. They saw the one who could help them, but they could not get to him. They were forbidden to move in his direction. They were helpless. 
I like to say they were stuck. And if you will bear with me, I'm sure you would agree this is exactly what sin does to you. Sin separates you from God. You can see Him. You can hear about Him. You can read about Him in the Bible. But that's as close as you can get. Experientially, you're separated from Him. You cannot move in His direction. People say, well, I'll get saved when I'm ready. No, you won't. You'll get saved when God's good and ready. You just don't get saved when you want to. You just don't come and make things right with God when it's convenient. That's not how it works. God has to reach out to you. You're stuck. Show you the scripture, Isaiah 59, 2. God said, or Isaiah said, but your iniquities, notice this, have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And we see this illustrated most obviously in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. They had perfect fellowship with God, walked with God. He'd come down in the cool of the evening. They were connected with God, but then they sinned. And when that happened, God ejected them out of the Garden of Eden and put an angel with a flaming sword. And the symbolism there is clear. Sin separates you from God. And if you try to move to God, the only way you're going to come to God is a sinner facing a righteous judge, and you'll die in your sins. If I just said that and left it alone, that would be sort of morbid, wouldn't it? But as I was thinking about this point, and it is morbid, and it is true, and until you recognize the fact that you are away from God, what's the point of getting saved? But there is hope. When I was in college, there was a song that was uh, popular and, and people knew. It might have even been older then. But it, it's a song that came to my mind. And, and I don't know if there's anybody in this room that will even know it other than maybe my wife. And the song was entitled, He Came to Me. And the words say, the gulf that separated me from Christ my Lord was so vast the crossing I can never ford. From where I was to his domain, it seemed so far. I cried, dear Lord, I cannot come to where you are. And here's the chorus. But he came to me. He came to me. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. And that's why he died on Calvary. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. That's what I'm preaching today is you can't get to him. But don't worry, 2,000 years ago, he came to us. People, I teach this in Growth Track often that people love to have a diagram and a picture showing all the different religions in the world, and then there's a mountain and God's at the top, and all these roads are going up the mountain as if they all religions lead to God ultimately, and thus they're all on the same level. That's a great humanistic concept. The problem is it's not true. You can't get to God. That's why the gospel gives a better picture. God's on the mountain, we're, we're down here, and there's one road coming down the mountain, and that's God coming to us in the form of Jesus Christ. We couldn't get to where he was, but how many of you glad he came to us, and he'll come to you today? He will. He'll do it. The second thing I notice is that they called out to Jesus. They could not come to him, but they could call out to him. Now, we would say they prayed. Now, I need to say this, and I just read it. It's actually in Isaiah 59, too. If they need to put it back up on the screen, they can. But if you're a sinner and you pray, the Bible says God does not hear you. You can pray all you want to, but God does not hear you. 
He's hidden, and so that he will not hear. There it is. But there is one prayer that I'm guaranteeing you. I'm guaranteeing, 100% guarantee that if you pray this prayer, God will hear you, and it's the prayer for salvation. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I want to help somebody. You don't have to pray a perfect prayer. There's no such thing. You don't have to pray a pretty prayer. God is not demanding that you get all the words just right. You just cry out to God and say, God, save me. Save me. I'm in a mess. Please, save me. Lots of times there are hot tears running down your face because you're desperate. Save me, oh God. That's all you have to pray. Just that simple prayer. And God will hear it, and he'll respond, and he'll save you. Isn't that beautiful? I I have preached on this many times. I guess all preachers have little pet things that just mean a lot to them. And I'm going to preach it again because we have new people, and the rest of you probably don't remember it. But I just, I, it's, I'm telling you, I don't get up here to entertain. When I talk, I try to be as genuine as I am just, for the life, for the rest of my life, I am fascinated by the prayer of the thief on the cross. That is the craziest, wackiest sinner's prayer you will ever hear in your life. He didn't say, our dear and kind, most gracious heavenly father. I thank thee this day for the blessings I mean crucified. Lord, wilt thou have mercy upon me and save my wretched soul? He didn't even have the three, the ABCs. I, everybody's been through growth track knows I teach the ABCs. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess him as your Lord and Savior. There's kind of an ABCs in salvation. He didn't even get the ABCs right. He's hanging on the cross, and he thinks Jesus is no different than him and the other cat on the other side. But the, lo- but the longer he looks at him, and the more he listens to him, and he sees Calvary, and he sees a bleeding, bloody man that's saying things that no ordinary human would say, doing things that no ordinary human would do, seeing creation responding to him in a way that creation doesn't respond to anybody else, the world getting dark, the sun hiding its face, the earthquake, all of these things. And the longer he stares at him and listens to him, he changes his mind and says, this is no ordinary criminal, this this guy is something this guy's something else and the listen the longer he's hanging there dying he said this this man i don't understand why he's a man i don't understand why he's on the cross but this is the son of god what a transition from he's a nobody he's a criminal to he's a son of God. And that's what God does. There are so many people that see Jesus through lenses that are very humanistic, and they say he's a good teacher, he was a good man, or, or they, they call him a disruptor because he created, he, he was a founder of Christianity. And look at all the bad things that have happened to Christianity. A lot of more great things have happened out of Christianity. But, you know, that's humanistic, and they just want to put him down. But listen, when God begins to deal with your soul, and all, all of a sudden it's not theoretical anymore, academic or mental, it now becomes God's dealing with your soul. Everything changes, and he'll help you with your view will change, and you'll realize he's no ordinary man. He's the son of the living God. And the thief said, remember me 
when you come into your kingdom, what a sinner's prayer. Remember me. Don't forget about me. You're the son of God. I don't understand what's happening here, but I understand that you're a king. You are the king. They, they put a sign over the cross, king. You are the king of the Jews. You are God. I don't understand this, but just don't forget about me. I, I, I don't really deserve anything, but just don't forget about me. That was his prayer. Just remember me. Could, could you just remember me? I'm a nobody, but could you just remember me? And the Lord looked at him and said, knowing he's going to die, said, son, don't worry. Today, you're going to die. But today, because there's life after death, because, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is, my God, I feel, I, no, I'm about to get Pentecostal. I was, was going to try to behave myself today, Pastor, but, but I can't do I thought I'm going to get up today and try to be more dignified, but I'm sorry, my dignity is about to leave me. Hallelujah. Today, you're going to be with me. Not, not, on, not on Golgotha, hanging on crosses, but today you're going to be with me in paradise. That's heaven. And when that old boy breathed his last, see, when you died back then, you didn't go to heaven. You went to, you went to Abraham's bosom. We will learn about that in the gospel. It's very possible that an old thief an old thing about the worst sinner you can get. You steal from me, oh, you, I don't like you. Now, you steal from me, you're going to make me mad. How many of y'all hate it when somebody steals from you? Somebody stole my golf clubs one time. I mean, that just. You want to talk about low, you're the lowest of the low. And it is very possible. This, if you're a sinner here today, you need to hear this because just trying to, I'm trying to tell you this is how bad God will save you. If God can save him, he can save you. It is very possible that day when he died and breathed his last, he was the first person in the New Testament era that walked through the pearly gates. I don't know. St. Peter couldn't have met him at the door because Peter was still living on earth. So I guess the angels met him. But he could have been the very first one that walked in. That's what he'll do for you. They called out to Jesus. The, the third thing they did is they begged for mercy. The, y'all, they're, they're horrible lepers, isolated. Re- Nobody had showed them much mercy. They really didn't know what mercy was. Maybe somebody threw them some food or whatever, but no, no, nobody, was, nobody cared about them. They were ignored. They were avoided. They were despised. They were rejected. And yet Jesus showed them mercy. And one of my favorite scriptures is Psalm 145, verse 8, and I, this is another one of my little pet peeves, and I use it oftentimes when I'm preaching. I pray it all the time. It's in my prayer. I talk When I'm praising the Lord, I praise him for this. I, for the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy. He's got more mercy than your mess. You need to chew on that for a minute. He has more mercy than your mess. Let me help you. He's got more mercy than your mess ups. Does that help? <laughs> God is a merciful God. Now listen to me. He will not condone your sin. He will not excuse your sin. He'll judge your sin. But if you'll come to him and ask you to save you, 
He'll show mercy to you if you approach him with a repentant heart. Somebody said mercy is not getting. Maybe you've heard this before, but some of you may not. It's, it's, this is one of those little pithy things that's worth knowing. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. A sinner deserves punishment. A sinner deserves eternity in hell. We all did when we were there. Those of us who are saved, we deserve that. A sinner deserves to face the consequences of his or her sins. How can God be merciful to a sinner when you deserve all that? Because of Jesus. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. The punishment that brought you peace with God, listen, was put on him. And by his stripes you're healed. You should die. You should face the cross. But Jesus came. This is the gospel. That's why he came as a man. That's why he died on the cross. He said, Father, put it all on me. And God did. He paid the price for your sins. So on that basis, listen to me, God can give you what you don't deserve, and that's mercy. And may I talk about grace for just a minute and add that to mercy? Mercy, they say, is not getting what you deserve. Grace, they say, is getting what you don't deserve. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. A sinner doesn't deserve forgiveness, salvation, access to heaven, or fellowship with God. Does he? Does she? No. You don't deserve that. We already, we already determined what you deserve. But when you get saved, you get access to all of these things and so much more when you simply put your trust and reliance in God and in his saving power. And like the old song says, he'll do for you what no other power can do. Here's the fourth thing. They were instructed to go see the priest. Now, this is interesting. According to Leviticus chapter 14, a person who was healed from leprosy had to go show themselves to the priest of the temple. Why? Because the priest had to confirm that true healing had taken place and then announce the person is clean. Now they can go back to church. Now they can interact with the people of God. Now they can reenter society. But the priest had to make that call. Jesus says to them, while they're still lepers, go show yourself to the priest. Isn't that interesting? I bet one of them looked at the other and said, we can't do that. If we get anywhere near that temple, they have temple guards with swords. They will kill us if we get anywhere close. See, every sinner's in a dilemma. I don't know if I can do what you're telling me to do, but if I, if I do, I don't, know what, I don't know what it'll cost me. Oh, it'll cost you everything. You got to give it all up. You got to give everything to the Lord. Come on, somebody. You can't hold on to two or three sins and say, being God will have a deal. We'll broker a deal. Oh, no, you give it all up. But if you stay where you are, you are going to die and go to hell. Preaching plain, is that okay? What, what are we going to do? They said, let's do what Jesus, always do what Jesus says. Don't listen to your friend. Don't listen to your girlfriend. Don't listen to your boyfriend. Don't listen to anybody else. Don't listen to anybody in this world trying to tell you what to do. If you are in sin, you just need to do what Jesus, if you got to make things right with Jesus, you might better talk to him about how we go about doing it. 
And so, really, it was an act of faith, a little fear. How many, you know, when you, how many of y'all remember when you got saved? It was a little scary, but you were trusting the Lord. Y'all remember that? It's a little scary, but I'm trusting the Lord. And they, they said, okay. Ten lepers started. I don't know how, I don't know if they got far. I don't think they got too far. But the Lord began to work. But let me pause right here and talk about what Jesus told them to do. He said, go see the priest. If you need to be saved, I would instruct you to go see your priest. Now listen, some of y'all got a Catholic background. I'm not telling you to go to the nearest, don't go down here to St. Joe's and make an appointment with the priest. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not telling you to come confess all your sins to me or one of the other pastors. You're not hearing me. I might better say, go see the priest with a capital P, Jesus. That's the only priest you need to see. Let me show you what Hebrews chapter 7, verses 26 and 27 says, talking about Jesus. For such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. That's Jesus. Who does not need daily as those high priests. He's talking about the earthly priests that preceded him that were in the temple. To offer up sacrifices. He doesn't need to do that. First for his own sins and then for the people's because that's what, that, that's what human priests had to do. Watch this. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. Now i got to show you all something that's so cool. So there's got to be a sacrifice. Somebody's got to die, pay the penalty for our sins. That's Jesus. But you got to have a priest to go to to get right with God. And that's Jesus. And only God can pull this off. He's the priest and the sacrifice. That's why the Bible says he's a great high priest in heaven who ever lives and makes intercession for us. Yet when John saw him in Revelation, he said, I saw one sitting upon the throne that looked like a lamb that was slain. He's the gift and the giver. He's the offerer and the offering. Isn't that awesome? The lengths that God went so that we could be saved from our sins. He gave his life on the cross to save you from your sins, and now he lives as a mediator and savior. That's why we sing, because he lived. And you know, a mediator, a priest rather, is a mediator between God and people, right? If you grew up in a Catholic church, you understand this. The, the priest is the go-between. The Bible even talks about this. The priest represents God to the people. And the priest represents the people to God. And that's exactly why Jesus came. We just don't even fully understand why Jesus came and did what he did. Born in as a baby. Why did he do all that? Robed with flesh. Why would God do that and become one of us? So he could do all that. He could be like us, one of us. So that when it came time to save us, he represents us to God. And that's why he died on the cross for us in our place. But when we come to him, he represents God to us. And, and, and you come and you say, will you save me? Will you save me? And Jesus said, oh, yeah, God will save you. You can be saved. 
because of what I did for you, you can be saved. And he's the priest and the sacrifice. Price has been paid. Here's the last thing it says. And, and, and as they went to see the priest, they were miraculously cleansed of their leprosy. Listen to me. Everything about them changed. Their skin was healed. The, the sores disappeared. Their flesh became like yours and mine. No more blemishes. I don't know if they lost digits, if the digits were restored. I don't know. that The healing may have been that miraculous. I don't know. If they lost vision, came back. Whatever infection and pressure was on the damage of the nerves, gone. If they had been, suffered kidney failure, boom, it was over. Healthy kidneys. Everything about them changed. Whatever was wrong with them was made right. Physical. Now watch this. Did y'all notice? And as they were went, as they went, does it say they were healed? Well, I tell you to bring your Bible to church. It's not what it says. Stephanie's got it. Say it out loud, Stephanie. And as they went, they were cleansed. They were cleansed. Later it says they were healed, but they were cleansed. I'm so glad that Luke, Dr. Luke, worded it that way. Because when I talk about this analogy of leprosy and sin, boy, doesn't that fit perfectly. When you come to Jesus now, to be saved, get ready, because everything about you is about to be changed. He'll remove your guilt. He'll remove your fear. He'll remove your shame. He'll take everything that's wrong and make it right. The sin in your life will be gone, and you will become a new person. You'll have, you'll have to get used to you. You won't want to do the things and say the things that you did the day before. You'll be different. And the only explanation is God lives inside of you, and he's made you somebody new. The old you is gone. You'll be a new person, and it's because of what he's done in your life. Have you all ever watched the OxyClean commercials? You ever watched it with the British pitch man Sully Sullivan? OxyClean, and he goes into, you know, I'm not going to try to do a British, but OxyClean. And then he just goes into this whole thing talking about OxyClean. And the pitch line for OxyClean is, OxyClean gets the tough stains out. I sound more Scottish than British. Ock. Can't do a British accent. OxyStain gets the tough OxyClean gets the tough stains out. And then the commercial shows them staining shirts with all kinds of stuff. And then putting on OxyClean and throwing it in the washer. And it comes up clean. They want you to think that it'll remove every stain. How many of y'all got OxyClean at home in your cupboard? Yeah, we do. We do. Sully, I bought into it. It wasn't the product. I just like his British accent. I'm a sucker for anybody with a British accent. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, we got some stuff now. You get stains and 
used to be throw it away, but now you give you you got some stuff that might might deal with it. I try, I got I got grease on some stuff, and I thought, man, this is over. But I got some stuff and took the grease out. We got some powerful solvents and solutions that can remove earthly stains. But with all due respect to Sully Sullivan and the OxyClean folks, there's one stain that OxyClean can't remove. You can take the toughest chemical substance that man can create, and it won't remove this stain, and that's the stain of sin. And everybody who hasn't been saved has got it. But there is something that can take it away. And so you don't misunderstand. We don't have a bucket of blood somewhere here in the back that we're going to pour over your head. You know, in church, we use all these, these phrases, and you, you be somebody that doesn't know anything about Jesus, but what are they talking about blood for? Where's the blood? The blood flowed 2,000 years ago from the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. But symbolically, metaphorically, the blood is still around today. The blood has never lost its power. We sing about the blood. We talk about the blood. We're thankful for the blood. I wouldn't be saved without the blood. I depend on the blood. When I mess up, because I do and so do you, I have to go back and I'm counting on the blood. And the blood of Jesus, the Bible says, washes away every stain. Every stain. <laughs> That's why we sing that old hymn, What Can Wash Away My Sin? Nothing. Nothing. Oxyclean, nothing. Shout it out. I pulled up the old 1970s. Shout's been around since the 70s. I was Googling 1970s shout commercials. You can't shout it out. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole spiritually again? Get me right. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's why we say, oh, precious is the flow. That's why it means it's valuable to us. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. No other substance I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Stand with me this morning. So my call to you today is if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, maybe you're backslidden, you used to serve the Lord, you've gone back into sin. Simple truth today is that Jesus cleansed the lepers of their dreadful disease, and he will cleanse you of your wretched sin. Just call out to him. I would ask him to forgive me. When you do wrong, you're supposed to say, I'm sorry. You've done a lot. Lord, please forgive me. Repent completely of all your wicked ways. you got to say, it's over. That life's over. I'm not talking that way. I'm not doing those things. I'm not going to those places. I'm not even hanging out with those people. You're probably going to lose some friends over this. They're not really your friends. My dad always said, what kind of friend would drag your soul to hell? That's not a friend. 
accept his free gift of redemption by faith and then just trust him to do it for you. Just trust him. And he'll never let you down. So with every head bowed and every eye closed on purpose so that I can create a moment of privacy where it's just people, God, me, and nobody else looking around. Is there anyone this morning, those of you watching online, this is for you now, wherever you are. Is there anyone watching, anyone in this building, nobody looking, just raise your hand and say, Pastor Chris, I need to be saved and I want to be saved. Raise your hand, wave it at me. Just raise your hand, wave it at me. Anybody in this house, wave it high so I can see you. I want to be saved. I need to be saved. I'm looking. Now, just because, I've been doing this a long time. Just because nobody raises their hand doesn't mean somebody doesn't need to be saved. But there's a difference between needing to be saved and wanting to be saved. So if you need to be saved, but right now you don't want to be saved, I can't do one thing about that. That's up to God. But my prayer right now, out loud, is that the Lord will pursue you and hound you until you can't stand it. And not because of meanness, but for the sake of your soul. And so you can have life and have it more abundantly. It may be that somebody's watching online right now that says, Pastor Chris, I'm not there today. But don't stop. This is for me. Please don't, don't, don't remember me. (laughs) Remember me, Pastor Chris. Don't forget us, folks online. I'm not. So with every head bowed still, every eye closed, we're going to pray the sinner's prayer. And if you're, you're watching this online, the way things are today, this might... By the time somebody may watch this, this this may be sitting in archives for, for weeks or months and somebody finds it and pulls it up. We don't know. But here's what you have to do. You, you just pray this prayer. Repeat after me and have faith in God. You, you trust the Lord now. I'm giving you the words, but you say them to God and put your trust in God. Everybody pray this with me. Will you? Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I acknowledge it. And I'm so sorry. I believe you died for me. I thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. I don't deserve anything. And yet I know you'll save me. Please forgive me of my sins. I'm so sorry. Come into my heart. Come into my life. I repent of all my sins. Change me. I give my life to you. And right now, I accept you as my Savior and as my Lord. You're the leader. You're in charge. I'm going to obey you and do what you tell me to do. So, Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing my life. Thank you for coming into my heart. Come on, say this. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. And I know that I am in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.